Hope you've had a good afternoon. Uh, what I tried to say this morning uh, that I forgot and tried to say it at the end of the service, the 22nd of this month, we want to have our baptism, river baptism, uh, and church-wide picnic before uh, everything gets stirred back up. Uh, but I will let you know next Sunday where uh, the baptism will be, okay? Uh, unless it rains and get some good rain, uh, we're not going to have too deep a hole of water, but we'll we're going <laughs> we'll find something. It'll it, it, all I can promise you is it will be cold <laughs> and wet, and uh, I love it. I, I do. I I just I love a river baptism. Uh, anybody got any announcements needs to be remade tonight to refresh our memory? Lynn, you okay with the boxes? Yeah, if you take your name, if you said that with your name on it, right, that would work. There are boxes back here with your name. Just a few. All right. Father, we thank you for the day, for the evening, for the time to be here. Lord, I pray that you bless our youth tonight in their outing, uh, for our children, and for your word, for our music. And Lord, thank you for a good, cool place to come back to this evening. Just bless tonight, and may you receive all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us as we sing, I love to tell the story.
will be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His love. You may be seated. Let us pray. Our Dominant Father, we have come to the time to give back our tithes to you, Lord, and our offerings. We ask, God, that you would bless the giver and the gift. Go with us now through the further part of this service. Lead God and direct us in all that's undertaken here tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Stand with us again and we'll sing, Fill My Cup, Lord. Lord, 
I lifted up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me Oh, my brother, if the thing that this world gave you leave hungers that won't pass away, my blessed Lord will come and save you if you kneel to him and humbly Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup. Fill it up and make me whole. Thank you. Maybe seated. Our uh, Sunday school class talks about joy and happiness a lot, and the difference between joy and happiness. I'm happier right now. (laughs) Joy is something that we should have once we're saved and knowing that anything that happens, we're still in God's hands. We can't be happy 100% of the time. But once you're touched by Jesus, you've got that joy in your heart, knowing where you're going. So pray for me as I sing, He Touched Me. Shackled by a heavy burden Neath a load of guilt and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me And now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me Since I met this blessed Savior, since He cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise Him. How shall Eternity rolls 
touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that fills my soul—something happened—and now I know He touched me and made. Amen, Dean. Thank you. Thank God for, for that touch. Uh, the kind of touch he's singing about, only God can make that kind of touch. That's lasting, that'll last forever and ever and ever. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. Probably to most of you is a very familiar um, passage of Scripture, but uh, hopefully tonight we will see it in a different light. I think many times you say, "Well, why you uh, why use this?" To most people here tonight, if not all of us, as far as I know, looking around, have spoken to you. You're saved. So, what good is this? To you, because there are some questions I'm going to ask tonight uh, that I have been asked uh, many times concerning what happens after death. Luke 16, 19 through 31. There was a certain rich man. He was clothed in purple, fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus with that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. And cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth the good things, likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he's comforted, and you're tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from here, from the dead, they would, they would repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. 
Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand and see this tonight in a different light, in a light that we might be able to shine in darkness in somebody's life. In Jesus' name, amen. I've had no less than 335 funerals. So far this year, here we had just beginning of August, I've had 14 funerals. And I think many times, I mean, funerals, we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to discuss going to the funeral home and making our final plans, picking out our clothes, picking out the casket, picking out the place where we want to be buried, picking out the preachers, picking out the pallbearers. We don't, hey, I say don't leave that to your family. Take care of it. Take care of it now. But where do the spirits go when death occurs? What is the immediate state? Like between death of the body and the resurrection. Where do they go? What do the spirits between uh, death and the body coming to Christ? Is there a waiting period? Do the spirits sleep in an unconscious state until they are resurrected from uh, the grave? Do our loved ones in heaven know what's going on here on earth? And probably the hardest question that I've ever tried to answer is, do you know where my daddy went? Do you know where my mother went? Did you have an opportunity to talk to my child? Do you know where he or she is? Tough and hard questions. This portion of God's word is not a parable. It's not an earthly story with a heavenly meaning because all the parables that Jesus used, there's no names mentioned. But here, Lazarus' name is mentioned. The rich man, we have no idea who he was, but the Bible says that he had it made. He had everything this world could even offer, but he didn't have Jesus. Now, he knew something about that because uh, he's in his talk with uh, Father Abraham, he said, I pray. You know, that stuck out to me. Who, is he, who was he praying to? I pray. You know, when, when life begins to be shorter and shorter, a lot of things come up in our hearts and in our minds. So the question is, what happens after death? First of all, death is an equalizer of all people. We go from a rich man here who had everything to a poor beggar who had nothing. But they both died. I made this statement in a, in a funeral. The death rate is 100% right now. Every second, every second, Around the entire world, every second, there's three people that die. Every second. I mean, hey, that's 180 a minute, is it not? Y'all going to say anything? Are you ready to go? <laughs> I want you to notice first the difference here when we think about the equalizer between the rich man and Lazarus in this life. Verse 19 is, is uh, very simple. There was a certain rich man. Now, Jesus picked him out, him being uh, dressed 
beyond what the normal person was dressed, living in a castle better than anybody else, having plenty of manservants and maidservants and who knows what else. And so much food that he fared sumptuously uh, every day. He was well off financially. Uh, he didn't lack for anything. Uh, you know, I can imagine that, his, that he was enjoying life to the fullest, not giving any thought of what might be coming on tomorrow. Now, you know, taking advantage of all he could, stepping on whoever he wanted to, having anything uh, that money could buy. Uh, you know, there are some people like that today. They are. And they wouldn't give you air in the jug. They wouldn't give you time of day. But it's amazing to me as a pastor, the kinds of people that seemingly come to the church for help when things aren't going well. Lazarus, on the other hand, I mean, according to the scripture, uh, was just maybe above the poverty level. You know, uh, our youth, and I'm glad they did, and some of our adults had the experience of going amongst where the homeless lived and saw how they lived. Caleb's wife's brother, the only one she has, saw this, I think it was in New York, and it really touched his heart. He came back home. He was single. And he told his parents, he said, I'm going back to New York. They said, what for? I'm going to live among the homeless. So I can better relate to their life. I forget how long. You remember? One month, 30 days, living on the street. Now, I've seen this, and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking when you see people rambling through the trash cans at restaurants. They're not looking for coupons, y'all. They're looking for some crumbs that somebody left behind. Now, you know, I've, I haven't always been a fan of helping the homeless. But I'm going to tell you something. When the tornadoes came through Seneca, they were people that were well off that early morning that when daylight came, they found themselves homeless. Not by choice. And I know people say, well, I wouldn't help them. You know, all they're going to do is go buy drugs. Well, you know, we do things many times because we have a heart of compassion and we want to help somebody. Now, who puts that compassion in us? God does. God puts that compassion there. And if we make a choice to help that individual and then they go off and buy drugs or alcohol or what have you, God will deal with them. But what if I don't respond to my compassion? Jesus had compassion. In fact, the Bible talks about him looking over, down over Jerusalem and crying because he had compassion on the people. The disciple boys, hey, Lord, we don't have, we don't have enough food to feed this crowd. Just send them home. He simply said, tell them to be seated. Amen. <laughs> Wait on the Lord. Well, who knows? Did anybody at any given time ever visit this rich man? <clears throat> Excuse me. And ask him to make a donation uh, to this or that. You reckon anybody ever visited him and said, hey, you know, we, we, 
we're down at the synagogue and we would love for you to come. You know, every person, now this may seem wild to you, every person, almost every person, <clears throat> that I have ever been to their funeral, I always, I want to notice something. How they positioned in that casket. Because ever how that undertaker positions them in that casket, that's the way they stay until the resurrection. And when I've been in there with many families, when, when the family says their final goodbyes and they close that lid and they seal it up, they take the casket to the graveyard, and most of the time, there's a vault there. And there's a hole in the ground, unless it's in a mausoleum. And they lower that casket into the vault, and then lower the vault into the ground, and then they cover it up. And sometime I've seen, after that, the coping's put around, the headstone's put around, and then they pull concrete all in there to keep the grass from growing. You say, it looks like to me it's going to be a lot of trouble when Jesus comes back for that person, if they were saved, to get up and come out of there. It won't be no trouble at all. Oh, won't be no trouble at all. God's powerful enough, and He knows. He knows where we are. And He knows. Uh, some people choose the route of uh, cremation. I have no problem with that. But I was talking to this old boy one time, and he was country, about dying. And uh, we got on the subject of cremation, and I said, what do you think about cremation? And this is what he said. He said, I don't want to burn twice. <laughs> and son, you don't, you don't have to be burned twice. I mean, it's, it's amazing. You just, you just ought to talk to folk about death. Say, hey, how do you feel about dying? A lot of times, you will be able to lead that person to Jesus by talking to them about dying because it's a known fact. We're going to die unless Jesus soon, unless he soon comes. The contrast between Lazarus and and uh, the rich man doesn't end there. No, I want you to notice the striking difference between the two men in death. Look at verse 22. It says, And it came to pass that the beggar died, Lazarus died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, a place of paradise, a place of peace and comfort and rest. There's a colon there to think about that. Is that where you and I are going to be carried into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or the rich man also died, and it says he was buried. He was buried. According to the Lord Jesus here, both men died, but only the rich man was buried Nothing is recorded about Lazarus being put in a grave. I don't know what they've done with his body. But death, first of all, is an equalizer to everybody. Secondly, what's it, what's it like to die? There's consciousness after death. I've talked to many people in my life about dying and what have you. And uh, one of the strangest answers that I've ever gotten, well, I'm lost. I was born lost. I'm going to die lost. I said, but you don't have to. Yeah, but you just don't know the kind of life I've lived, and I plan to die lost and go to hell. I said, do you realize what hell's like? Oh, yeah, the, I've heard many stories of a fire that's seven times hotter than any other fire, or, or it's, it's this, that, and the other. And, um, yeah, I've heard all that. But my idea is 
that I'll go there and I'll burn up like a stick of wood and it'll be over with. I said, well, son, if that's the case of going to hell, if a person goes to heaven, they're going to be one big old party and it's going to be over with. Is that the way you see it? Yep, that's the way I see it. But why go there for a big old party when you just go to hell and burn up and it's over with? Serious. That's what some people have in mind when it comes to uh, the place called hell. People don't want to talk about it. They don't want to discuss it. And the, the, the uh, doctrine that they know about it is a bunch of junk. Because sometimes, a lot of times, preachers don't preach on it and they don't teach on it and nobody talks about it out there in the public life. Well... You know, there is consciousness after death. Jesus had this to say about the man who was lost in verse 23. And, he, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Uh, he lifted up his eyes. Now what does that tell you? He could see. He could see. I mean, the Bible's plan. He in hell. It don't say between the time he died and the time he got to hell he could see. It says the rich man died and was buried and in hell he lifted up his eyes. And he could see. He had clear vision. He was conscious. He was not unconscious. He was very much conscious. Now his body, wherever they buried him, was still where it was buried. But his soul is what is in hell and, you know, he's conscious. He knew where he was. The Bible says that when a person enters hell, that the angels, the hell angels, okay, Rise up to greet them. Those words make them welcome. You know, the devil don't have a choice anymore about where he will spend eternity. He don't have a choice anymore. That choice, he made that choice way back on there. He will not have that choice. So the rich man was conscious. He knew where he was. He could see. He was aware of what was going on, and then he saw Abraham and Lazarus. You know, it says, and there was a certain rich man, verse 19. And then verse 20 says, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate. Somebody brought Lazarus to this point and laid him there. Now, you, you know good and well that the, the rich man's servants probably every day says to the rich man, they brought that, that beggar out here. He's laying at the gate. You want, us to, you want us to do anything? No. Don't pay him no attention. Just let him lay there. Let the flies eat him up. Well, last time we looked, the dogs was out there and they were licking up on his sores. I don't care. What do I care? I don't care if the dogs eat him up. What this teaches us, listen. This teaches us that, that there is such a thing Is knowing where you are at all times. Many people hesitate to go to funerals because it bothers them. Well, you won't know it and I won't know it, but what, what if at my funeral and your funeral nobody shows up? There was a lady at Miss Mary's funeral afterwards and she said, uh, I appreciate all you had to say. You've done a great job. And um, I wish maybe you could do my funeral. I said, well, i tell you what. 
If you don't come to mine, I'm not coming to yours. <laughs> she looked at me like, are you crazy? And laughed. She did. She laughed. <laughs> now, there's no such thing as soul sleep, but there is such a thing as body sleep. According to Thessalonians, those who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him when he comes, okay? When he comes. Um, so we think about that. Uh, that's the death of our bodies. Because if we live long enough, we're going to wear this thing out, okay? Our eyes are going to become if we live long enough, they're going to become blind. We're not going to be able to see. Our ears are going to go deaf. We're not going to be able to hear. We may not be able to speak. We may not be able to walk. If we live long enough, we're going to wear this body out. This physical tent that we, we live in, uh, where our souls are housed, and the only time that soul will move out of this body is when we give up the ghost, that is, die. Our soul will immediately depart the body. Just like an old house when people say, hey, this house is being condemned. It's no longer repairable, and so you're going to have to move. And so the soul moves out of the body, and that soul immediately goes either to heaven or to hell. No exceptions. The body is placed in the grave, there to lay as a Christian until Jesus comes back. As a lost person, until the final day of judgment when the unrighteous will be raised and brought before God and judged and sent to hell. Bible. They are laid to rest. You know, the Bible talks about returning to the dust, awaiting the resurrection. I guess the first funeral I can remember going to, uh, I was 12 years old, and it was my, my daddy's middle brother. There were four in the family, my daddy being the baby of the family, but my uncle was 48 years old. He's been gone a long time. When you think of 12 over 74. I remember going with my daddy back to that grave several weeks later. And we'd had a lot of rain. And in those days, the vault was wooden, a wooden vault. And this thing had caved in. And my daddy, I remember him begin to punch and try to cave the dirt on in, and we brought dirt and put back on it. Uh, I don't know what condition my uncle's body would be in right now. Probably completely decayed, but at the resurrection, he will get up. God will put that soul into a brand new body, a resurrected body. Uh, you know, Jesus, his body, when it was resurrected, he began to show himself. Some of the boys that hung out with him didn't even recognize him, right? Didn't recognize him. Brand new. He said, hey, look here. Look, put your hand here and feel. It's me. I'm alive. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. They're placed in the grave. They're laid there to rest. Dust to dust. A third thing. There is recognition after death. The man who was unsaved cried out, and this is what he said in verse 24. Bible says, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. A little late. A little late. 
and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. I don't know about you, but I've tried this. Fill the glass with water, put your finger down in it, pull it up, and look. That one little drop, a lot of times, won't fall off unless it's shook. Okay? But that's all he asked for. He just just simply asked for the tip of his finger in water. And cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. The man in hell not only saw Abraham and Lazarus, but he knew who they were. You see, there's only... um, consciousness after life beyond but of the awareness uh, that includes the recognition of other people he recognized Lazarus you know probably the one of the one of the, the hardest things there's going to be for suffering in hell is our memory our memory Neither heaven nor hell is going to be populated by a mass of faceless, impersonal, unknown inhabitants. Listen, there is consciousness right now in hell. You may know somebody. I'm thinking of a neighbor. I talked to him and I talked to him. Finally, one day he said, listen, I have my own way and I don't want to hear no more about it. Now, unless he changed, I'm not a judge, but unless he changed, he's in hell. There's awareness there. The rich man knew where he was. He knew what he had left behind. He recognized Lazarus. The Bible says we will know each other as we were known. I've had this statement made many times. Well, I don't care if I do go to hell. I'll be there with my buddies. Wow. I mean, I can't imagine. There's a fourth thing. There is remembrance after death. The suffering man's cry for an answer is in verse 25. After he said, send him with some water. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth good things, likewise Lazarus evil things. But, but now he's comforted and you're, you're tormented. How long is it going to last? People in hell, it will last as long as people who go to heaven forever and ever and ever and ever. Remembrance. Just just thinking about what what we could have done, what we should have done and didn't do. Abraham said to the man, in hell, son, remember. So he had his brain, okay? He could see, he could speak, he could hear, and he could remember. He had all the factors that you and I have that in itself, that just that in itself could very well be one of the greatest curses of all. To die lost is to remember the past and the knowledge that things can never ever be Reversed. To remember the past with regrets. To remember the past that we neglected 
the Lord Jesus and to remember the past, to know that things could have been different if we had only been saved. I've had, like I say, over 330-something funerals. I've had many that I did not know the person personally. You're talking about a hard funeral. That's a hard funeral. That and a, and a baby and a child, a teenager, is hard. But on the other hand, funerals are for the living and not the dead. Well, to remember these things is anguish. And many people tonight would tell you, I don't believe in a hereafter. I don't believe in a hereafter. Listen, y'all, we're not put here to stay, but we will always be with this person. I'll never be without Kenny Owen. Never. Ever. I've heard all kinds of statements. Don't he look good? Don't she look good? Oh, they got something out of place over here. It don't make no difference. It don't make no difference. That body is asleep. It don't hear. It don't see. It don't respond. If it did, it'd clear the funeral home. I don't know about you. I don't sleep on my back. Don't sleep well. I don't sleep well on my stomach. I sleep well on my left side. So I told Lynn, if I go before you do, don't lay me on my back. <laughs> lay me on my left side. She said, they won't see you. I said, turn me around. <laughs> That's all you got to do. Turn me around. I won't know it, but if I'm going to be asleep, I want to I wanna be resting. So make sure I'm put in the right position. Now, y'all hold her to that. Uh, if if y'all come by there and he's laying on his back and you say, who's going to turn him around? <laughs> you know the final things, though, in serious, loved ones. And you've been there, I've been there. As you stand by that casket and you look at that body and you think of the times maybe one on one hand that you didn't say anything about their eternal destiny. Or you could have been the one that was blessed to lead that person to Jesus. But we're going to give an account of all this, y'all. Listen. We need to acknowledge the fact that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That we're not put here to stay. That death is coming. And as death comes, uh, you know, not everybody is prepared for it. And so people might say, well, what is that person experiencing right now? Well, one of two things. If they went to hell, they're experiencing torment. You mean they are alive there? Yes, sir. And chapter 16 of the book of Luke is the only one that records any of that. Where they were speaking back to Abraham. And they could see. They could hear. And they could taste because they wanted water. They wanted water. And you know the best water that any of people can have before they die is the water that Jesus gives where the Bible says you'll never, ever thirst again. Amen. Praise the Lord for that, y'all. Um, to pay the price for sins, I don't have to unless I die lost. To pay the price for sins has already been paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And I'm thankful tonight to know on that side, I'm out of debt. I am completely out of debt. What happens after death? Only account we have is the rich man speaking from hell to Abraham. Don't say anything about anybody else listening and responding. In that remembrance part, I didn't mention this, but he said, send somebody back from this grave, back from hell to my... I got... How many brothers was it? Was it five? Hello? I got five. If you could just send somebody back from here. Well, listen, if they don't hear today, if they don't hear from evangelists and preachers and teachers and deacons and Sunday school teachers and the layperson that there is a hell, but there's also a heaven, it's their loss. But the Bible teaches if I know a person's lost and I don't witness to them, I don't share Jesus with them, when they die, their blood is on our hands. You want the blood off your hands? Witness to that person is lost. So how many times do I need to do it? As many times as you feel led to do it. You know, should, there comes a time sometimes we, we push people away and start drawing them closer. So we have to be cautious. We have to be careful. We have to ask God, is this another proper time? Now, be cautious here because the devil will tell you, hey, I wouldn't waste my time with him. But our call is to share Jesus. Because he's gone to prepare us a place. Opposite of where the rich man is. A place for every born again child of God to live. And I praise him for that. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I've done my best. I I probably could have done more to convey that there is life after death. There's either torment or there's comfort. Lord, help us that are saved to do our best to steer the loss away from hell and into heaven. Lord, so many times we go to funerals and the preacher tries to Preach the person into heaven. You can't do it. Because that person makes the choice. Lord, help us to be aware of the loss round about us this week. Help us not to be ashamed of the gospel because we know it's the power whereby a person can be saved. Bless our people. Lord, thank you for those who've come back tonight. Bless them. Bless their home. And give them a good week in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Dean's coming to lead us in a hymn of invitation. Maybe you just want to come to the altar and bring some lost person's name with you to pray for. Much to be prayed for in our church family, y'all. Broken hearts, broken homes, broken relationships. Much to be prayed about. Brother Dean, what do we sing? I have decided to follow Jesus. Don't sing it if you don't mean it, because God may send you tonight to somebody. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go 
I still will follow, no turning back, no turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Amen. Thank you for your presence and attention this evening. Anybody have a word of testimony before we go? Anybody? Hey, praise his name, my goodness. Amen, and thank you for sharing that. In and out of school she is, and she's heard about First Baptist from youngins. for that. <laughs> That's right. You're right. Man. Thank you for sharing that. Anybody else? Don't sign up anymore, Sanders. <laughs> renew it. <laughs> While he's in that mood, just renew it. I know. All right. Praise God. My goodness. Hey. celebrate 102 years. <laughs> well, hey, 51 over there and 51 over here. <laughs> Hallelujah for myself. <laughs> yes, sir. privilege to be able to try to preach the word and be your pastor. All right. Nobody else. I hope you'll have a good evening. Wednesday, uh, Wednesday is the second Wednesday, right? Okay. Missions night. That means there's a place for every lady 
There's a place for every man. So don't lay out, okay? Be here. We can't get any more done than we're doing unless you come. And if you come, then we can do a little bit more and bring somebody with you, okay? All right. Brother Tim, son, would you would you dismiss us, please? Sure, come right on up. That's fine. Father God, I thank you for this church. Uh, I thank you for these uh, loyal, loyal members and uh, pastor and, and his family. And Father, I thank you for each testimony here tonight. I thank you for each uh, person that spoke up. And you know, the, you know the need in each life and you know the need that, uh, that each person continues to have. And as we learn about death and learn about what happens after uh, we die, uh, Father, I just pray that you would help us to take care of things before that happens. Thank you for um, everything that, that takes place here, uh, each mission, each, each prayer, uh, each, each person that's lifted up. And I just pray that, uh, uh, that we continue to follow you and follow you strongly. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.